my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 336. No music today, as you can tell. Uh, uh, I It felt wrong to do it today. I It would feel disingenuous of me to be playing music, acting very excited today. Uh, I feel like this is a very severe, <laughs> important topic today. It's the NFC East, the division of football that was so bad, their very best team in their division had a losing record. Uh, now, there's some good stories here today. We're going to talk about I thought Washington, man. Oh, my gosh. It's very positive. Uh, despite, like, I think Washington actually had maybe the craziest year of football I've ever seen in my life as far as what a roller coaster. The crazy storylines happening left and right. The stuff that went on. Uh, the Giants are kind of a little bit of a feel-good story. The Cowboys are not. The Eagles are not. Uh, they're, they're, they're not. They're, they're really, uh, the Cowboys especially, I think people need to panic if you're a Cowboy fan. I'm not being hyperbolic. I, th- I think you guys have a big problem. And so um, it's predictions versus reality. It's, uh, I, I, I love doing this. Uh, I want to share a story real quick first. Um, a- after With sponsorship in a minute, but I want to tell you this. Um, I saw a video earlier today. The title was A Decade of Tom Brady Making Rob Parker Look Like a Fool. You can go watch it again. The title of the video, it's on YouTube. A decade of Tom Brady making Rob Parker look like a fool. Uh, I almost, the keyword's almost, I almost felt bad for Rob Parker. Because I know that you could cut a bunch of clips of me saying stuff like, go listen to my old Justin Herbert takes. I sound like an idiot, right? I I predicted Justin Herbert. I, I was not comfortable with Justin Herbert. He's maybe the best rookie quarterback we've seen in like 10 years. So I was dead wrong. And I'm wrong about stuff. And that's what happens when you say stuff. And so I'm sure you could cut together a lot of my freezing cold takes and make me sound like an idiot, right? For sure. Um, But what stood out to me about this Rob Parker video is how close-minded the guy was. He just refused to ever change his mind. He's unwilling to learn. He's like, I will not budge. I refuse to get off this. This is the hill I'm going to die on, right? That's what he decided. And I don't ever want to be the guy that's got a hill to die on. I, not, I, I, I hope I have an open mind. I try really hard to be that way. Um, and the video really highlighted to me how Rob Parker's unwilling to admit when he's wrong. He's so dead set on being right about Tom Brady, how he's too old, it's not going to work. And the reality is Rob Parker's a baseball guy talking about stats and numbers when in baseball they're incredibly important. Stats and numbers can tell you good or bad. Not in football. Completion percentage is totally false, right? You can you can have a terrible completion percentage, but if your receivers dropped every pass and you were throwing the ball away because you had pressure in your face, it's your stats are misleading. Or what if you threw nine interceptions all year, and but every single one of them bounced off the face mask of your receiver? You, you get my point. Stats are not always the truth. They're not always everything. So you have Rob Parker making stat analytical based baseball arguments about a football player. They just aren't, they don't work in football. And so I, my, I say this all to say, I try to have an open mind. I try very, very hard to not be the guy who is like, this is the hill I'm going to die on. He, look at my Justin Herbert takes. They evolved. As Justin Herbert proved me wrong in 2020, I was like, yeah, clearly he's playing great. I was skeptical. I was skeptical. Then I was like, okay, it's been enough. We have a large enough sample size. He's a great effing quarterback. He's awesome. And so 
I, I just want to start with that message. I try very hard to admit when I'm wrong about stuff. Uh, it's it's very important to me. That's why I do this topic, predictions versus reality. It's going back, hey, keeping myself accountable. I made a prediction in August or September. Let's revisit it. Let's talk about it. Uh, and that is what this show is about today. I don't want to be the guy who's unwilling to admit when I am wrong. I think it's a huge thing. Every single human being should be able to say when they're wrong. When you get new evidence, you're like, oh, yeah, that's just not not accurate anymore. Be willing to change your mind and change your opinion. Um, I do want to say this episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. They will help you run your business more effectively by putting everything all in one place. Uh, now, a very honest statement is to say that this product is not for everybody. It's not for startups. It's not for small businesses. This product is for companies that bring in $1 million in annual revenue or more. Uh, for example, my own company, Strong Opinion Sports, way too small. Like, I, I don't have the revenue to, to even, even – I don't even have a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of enough money to work with NetSuite. But my point is that I know some CEOs listen to this podcast, people who even own major sports franchises have listened to and do listen to this podcast. This product is for you. What NetSuite does – it's help you run your business more effectively by putting everything all in one place in one dashboard. Because once your company matures and grows too big, you're going to outgrow QuickBooks. QuickBooks has limitations. You don't need to pay for multiple systems that don't allow you to have the information exactly when you need it. You can walk away from old, outdated programs, walk away from spreadsheets, skip the nonsense, and upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. You can have everything all in one location. E-commerce, finances, inventory, supply chain, HR, everything. All that information at the tip of your fingertips. A tip of your fingertips? I'm trying to talk. Tip of your, you have all the information exactly when you did it based on your company. I, I can't imagine trying to run a company and not being able to get your analytics, your, the data you need, the minute you need it. Now, NetSuite wants me to tell you you can join one of over 24,000 other companies that use their service. But if you are a person who is in the realm of potentially using NetSuite. You know they're the best in the business. Uh, I've talked to them a lot behind the scenes. They're awesome. Uh, it's pretty clear. If you want to manage your business, they're the best people to help you do it. And in case you're still not sure NetSuite can prove it to you, go to netsuite.com opinion, and you can get a free product tour. Let NetSuite show you how they will benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com opinion. Schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com opinion. Uh, hey, by the way, today's episode, there's no Ask Zach. Uh, I do have a lot of questions about the NFC East. This tragic, uh, painful, brutally sad division of football. Uh, but the questions I'm going to save for another episode. I, uh, I just, I really wanted to give them care, give them time. I've been watching a lot of Aaron Rodgers film, which is weird. Uh, but I have, I've got maybe three, I've got, I think I'm, I'm working on a film analysis for Aaron Rodgers, which I did not anticipate doing. But I was bored on Friday night. I wanted some entertainment. I put on Aaron Rodgers' film, and I'm like, this is just beautiful. I need to talk about it. So I'm going to break down Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that led me to another topic about Aaron that I think will surprise people, a different perspective I've never shared before. Um, so I'm going to pair some of that content with a Cam Newton topic, with a – I got another topic. I, I got a bunch of notes somewhere. Uh, and then we'll do – at the end of whatever the, that episode is, we'll do a bunch of questions on the NFC East because I really – I got a great Cowboys questions, great Giants questions, and they deserve – my full attention. They don't deserve like a, you know, a slapstick half. I, I just, I was doing, putting it together. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm giving this the time it really deserves. So I, I actually cut it. I'll move it to the other episode. Uh, that's why I didn't feel like any music today. I, I just, 
I, this is a kind of a somber episode. It's a really hard division. So let's start our predictions versus reality journey. So I predicted the Dallas Cowboys to go 8-8 eight and eight in 2020. I thought they'd have an ugly year. Uh, but still, I thought they would just barely win the NFC. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be a rough year. They have a tough schedule, but they're good. they're a good football team. New coach who's won a Super Bowl before, Dak Prescott. They're going to win their division for sure. And, uh, oh, man, a lot went wrong. Uh, the reality is the Dallas Cowboys went 6-10. and 10. And the big, the big headlining, disappointing, upsetting story is that their quarterback, Dak Prescott, got hurt. It was week five, the third quarter, uh, against the Giants. The, the Cowboys were winning 24-23. He was running, extending a play, got hit, and it was gruesome. His leg was dangling the wrong direction. Awful, really sad. I felt, I felt so bad for Dak. I liked, I think Dak, say what you want about Dak as a quarterback, and that's whatever. He's a great person. I just, I don't know how you look at Dak Prescott. His story, his family, how he talks, how he carries himself. He's a great human being. Uh, and if you can't recognize that, I think you have a problem. I, I love Dak Prescott, the human being. Um, and unfortunately, losing Dak Prescott was only the beginning of all the problems for the Dallas Cowboys. And I, ba- way back in the beginning, August or September, whenever I did my prediction video for the season, it was probably September, I waited as long as I possibly could because of COVID and I'd, well, whatever was going on. I, tried, I wanted to be really accurate. Um, the defense and the offensive line were injured and aging and having problems already in September. And I'm like, this is not going to be not going to be pretty in Dallas. Yeah, the linebacker, uh, Sean Lee, was hurt. The, the right and left tackle, Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith, they were having problems. Uh, Gerald McCoy, their defensive tackle, a guy, another guy, a good human being, uh, tore his quad a week before the season started. Just tragic, sad. Uh, I, I'd been following his training routine on Instagram. I, I really liked him. Um, and so the Cowboys defense was terrible. They couldn't stop the run at all. It was Dallas and Houston. Ironically, both Texas teams were the worst running defenses in the entire NFL. Uh, Houston was worse by like 20 yards. Literally. It was, just, it was awful. Um, and so I, I think one of the things, by the way, if you're a, a Cowboy fan in the draft, you got to get a defensive tackle. Somehow you need help in your front seven, especially the interior defensive line, somebody who can stuff the run. Uh, the court, you got a lot of, basically, if you're a Cowboy fan, you should panic. You, you have so many problems across the board. Uh, you fired your defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan. He's the guy who, remember he rubbed hot sauce on his eye, the poor guy. I felt bad. It's idiocy, but I felt bad for the guy. They replaced Mike Nolan with the former Falcons head coach, Dan Quinn, a guy, Dan Quinn, who fell from grace really tragically and fell hard from grace, lost the Super Bowl. Kept having, you know, leads blown where they just kept losing really embarrassing games. Uh, Dan Quinn failed as a head coach. I'm not sold he's going to be. He, he might work as a, as a defensive coordinator. I mean, there's a reason why he became the Falcons head coach. There's also a reason why the Falcons got to the Super Bowl. It's Kyle Shanahan, their offensive coordinator. Oh, oh, oh. did I say that? Yeah, I did. Uh, I, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, Dan Quinn, I, I would think he's good. We'll see. Um, I, I don't know. I really I don't I don't know what to make of the Dan Quinn hire. They definitely I think upgraded from Mike Nolan. But here's a really telling thing about the Dallas Cowboys: they did not beat a single team with a winning record in 2020. They had six wins. They beat the Falcons, the Giants, the Vikings, the Bengals, the 49ers, and the Eagles. Every single one of those six teams had a losing record. 
And then after Dak got hurt, Andy Dalton came in. Andy Dalton is a guy who was okay. He's he's nobody's long-term answer. Ben DiNucci even at times played quarterback, which is like, he started a game. I think a primetime game. You're like, Ben DiNucci? Man, rookie quarterback out of, oh, what was it? Uh, James Madison. Went to Pitt for a little while. Uh, I think he played with Max Brown. Uh, now, Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott had uh, literally the worst year of his career. And that's including a year in 2017 where Ezekiel Elliott only played 10 games in a season. Uh, he, you know, and part of that's because he, he's not the same physically, but also in fairness to Ezekiel Elliott, if you're going to criticize the guy and say he had a bad year, you got to recognize the, the offensive line is aging. The, the passing game was very weak. He really wasn't helped the same way he's been helped in the past. So part of it is the situation around Zeke. Part of it is that Zeke is just the guy who probably shouldn't have gotten a massive contract from Jerry Jones when he did the way he did. I think he's a little bit overpaid. Uh, again, I, I'm notorious for saying I would not pay a running back. Uh, not not long-term, not after a certain age, not after a certain amount of mileage on their body. Uh, it's brutal. It's not fair. But running backs very rarely last a long while. Remember Maurice Jones-Drew? That was a flash in the pan. A lot of running backs are great briefly, and then they're, they're just they're, their legs run out. Their bodies aren't the same. And again, and again, I want to repeat this because I think it's very important for Cowboys fans to hear this, the reality of it. If you're a Cowboy fan... I would panic. I, I, I don't know. I don't feel good about your future. I don't feel good about what's coming for you guys. I don't feel good about what's gone on recently in Dallas. Uh, you hired Mike McCarthy as your head coach, who we won a Super Bowl before. I, I was like, I was optimistic. Hey, Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl in the past. He had a year off to kind of get his act together and do some soul searching. He did a bunch of, I think he did like a, a Monday morning quarterback interview where he gave a, an in-depth talk about the work he's been doing and, the reality is Ron Rivera in Washington looked like a way better hire than Mike McCarthy. Way better. Ron Rivera was fighting cancer and found a way to make the playoffs and just make it happen and make it work and galvanize his football team. And they fought hard. And meanwhile, Mike McCarthy's team looked like a mess. The Cowboys were not organized. They were making bad decisions. Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland looked like the right head coach. Joe Judge in New York looked like the right head coach. Mike McCarthy, I'm going... I don't know that this guy should have gotten the job. I don't like saying that, but it's it, it's honest. And Mike McCarthy made some weird in-game decisions where uh, two-point conversions at weird times, field goals down by 25 points. Uh, I guess that's his analytics. That I, I He talks about analytics a lot. I don't see what he's thinking. I don't understand it. I remember week one against the Rams. Uh, this one kill, is like it haunts me, actually. Fourth and three. Early in the fourth quarter, you're down 17 to 20. You're down three points early in the fourth quarter. And instead of kicking the chip shot field goal, they were on like the eight-yard line. Kick the field goal, tie the game. It's early in the fourth quarter. They go for it on fourth and three. They get stopped. They lose the game by three. Oh, not a good look. And I, 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 I explained that decision to me. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why you made that decision. And repeatedly with Mike McCarthy, I'm going, your game management is... You can't even explain it. It's so weird and confusing and bad. And I know Dak Prescott was hurt. But Mike McCarthy's an offensive-minded coach. They should have looked at least organized on offense. They didn't look organized. They looked like a mess. And again, again, I know. The starting quarterback's injured. It's hard to look. But you have, Andy, you have a veteran quarterback, Andy Dalton. I, I just, I, I've seen, uh, who was their new coach? Kevin Stefanski made Cleveland look, run like a well-oiled machine. And he's a new young coach. 
Mike McCarthy's done the job before, and yet they did not look polished. They did not look well-organized. They did not look like they were running on all cylinders. It was bad. I don't know, man. Now, another problem with the Dallas Cowboys season is that, quite frankly, Dak Prescott's contract situation really did not get resolved. Dak Prescott wants a ton of money, wants to get paid. I think he wants to get paid more than he's worth. I've heard the number $40 million a year. I wouldn't pay Dak Prescott more than Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I liked Dak's awesome, by the way. I'd pay Dak money for sure. I would be careful with getting too big on the amount. And the reality is this was the year that Dak had an opportunity to prove, hey, I'm worth that $40 million. He was playing on a franchise tag. This was his opportunity to prove what he had. Now, some people would say that, well, because the Cowboys fell apart, while Dak Prescott was injured, that should show, hey, clearly Dak's valuable. But to me, that's not enough. Because to me, what 2020 showed about the Cowboys is that they're awful. They need help everywhere. <laughs> they need to spend money on players, on defense, on the offensive line, everywhere. They need help across the board. And paying Dak Prescott a ton of money doesn't fix your roster. Do you see the conundrum? Dak Prescott can't win with no help. You, you can't. You pay Dak Prescott $40 million, you got no money to spend on other people. And revenue's down, by the way, in the NFL. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. And Dak, this was Dak's year to prove himself. And the reality is he only got, he got less than five games before he got hurt. And that's not fair to him. I know that. But this was the year Dak had to prove himself. We didn't get that storyline resolved. Now, the only positive thing I can say about Dallas, I'm being very negative. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. I, I'm trying to think of positive stuff that happened this year for Dallas. I can't think of it. I, I can't think of a good thing to say about Dallas other than this. Their rookie receiver, C.D. Lamb, which some people would even say he was awful. Uh, I would admit he didn't have a perfect year. I know some people disagree that C.D. Lamb had a good year. I thought he had a good year. Uh, I thought he had some drops. I thought that he had some moments where, like, especially that, that Week 17 game, there's a moment where, you know, the game's hanging in the balance. Uh, you got to make a play. It was like second and 17. I just watched it earlier today. You got to catch the ball in that moment. He dropped it. Um, but what he also showed is, yeah, the drops, sure. But he also got open a lot. He made some good plays. Uh, you got to remember that C.D. Lamb had Andy Dalton throwing him the football. So you can be harsh on C.D. Lamb, and I would understand that perspective if you want to be that way. But I'd go easy on the guy. I thought he had a pretty solid rookie year. I'm excited to watch C.D. Lamb next year. I had to find something to be positive about because for the most part, I think the Cowboys are in trouble. I think they have the wrong head coach. I think they're about to pay their quarterback too much money and cripple their franchise. I think they have problems everywhere across the board. I'm not convinced they hired the right defensive coordinator. If I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'm panicking. And you, it's, it's like whatever DEFCON is the worst, that's the one. I, I don't know how DEFCON works. I've heard DEFCON like five. I've heard people say DEFCON five. Oh, it's cool. I don't know what that means. I hear it in movies. I don't understand it. Um, but DEFCON, whatever is the most serious and problematic, that's what the Cowboys need to be at because they have problems that I don't know how to solve. And I'm not the one doing it. I know, I know that's like a silly thing to say, but somebody's got to solve their problems, and I don't know how you do it. And I, I'm... I'm very, very interested in the future of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, maybe next year comes around. Dak plays amazing. Mike McCarthy's the right guy. Dan Quinn is the truth. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I, I don't feel good about the Dallas Cowboys. And if I'm a Cowboy fan, I, I feel much more strongly hesitant 
that our owner's meddling, that our owner's overpaying our running back, and is going to overpay our quarterback and cripple our franchise, and we got the wrong coach and the wrong defensive coordinator, and we need help on the defensive line and the offensive line, and we have all these problems, and nobody's addressing them the right way. That's how I would feel if I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. And 2020 put a bad taste in my mouth as far as the Dallas Cowboys. How was that? You know, I got to say, and I couldn't say this to start the show. I, I thought about getting a beer. <laughs> like, I, I literally, I didn't do it. I, it would have felt really unprofessional and wrong. It, it's not my style to be drinking, doing a show. I think it, it doesn't land right either to talk about football and to have people go. Like, people think, like, oh, what are you? I, it just wouldn't land right. But I thought about it. That's how bad the NFC East is. I was like, oh, man. I watched the film. I did a lot of research for this, these topics, and I just the more I learned, the more I watched, the more I saw. It was hard to feel positive about Dallas, and it was really hard to feel positive about the Philadelphia Eagles. So how about the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, man, the NFC East is rough. <laughs> it's just not good. Uh, going into the 2020 season, I predicted Philly to go 7-9. and nine. And what's crazy is the thing I felt best about going into the year the, the one thing I was like, this is the best part about Philadelphia. I loved their quarterback situation. <laughs> How hilariously wrong is that now looking back? Because my thought was, well, hey, in 2017, Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate. Nick Foles is gone. Carson's crazy talented. Plus, hey, Carson's been hurt in the past. But if Carson Wentz gets injured, guess what? You got Jalen Hurts as your backup quarterback. Going to be awesome. Like, you can't go wrong. Got a great backup, got a great starter, rock solid, perfect, or so I thought. And we learned as the year went on, oh, no, 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 things were not perfect. In fact, I read a report that apparently Carson Wentz, things were so bad, he didn't talk to Doug Peterson for 10 weeks. And I get it, Carson was frustrated, he was, it, it, was, it was a mess. Now, the one thing I did nail in my prediction in September, and I, I really, I pointed out that injuries were going to be a huge problem for the Philadelphia Eagles. Before the year even started, the injuries were beginning to pile up. Rookie receiver Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders, the running back, Alshon Jeffrey, another receiver, Lane Johnson, the tackle, and so many other players. Like, more. This guy's missing practice. That guy's missing practice. This guy's banged up. This guy's got it. And I'm like, oh, no. The Eagles have had injury problems in the past, and it's coming back again, and it's going to be worse than it's ever been. And it was. I knew injuries were going to hold Philadelphia back. And I did say they didn't make enough upgrades at defense or on defense. They didn't. Their defense was a mess. Injuries galore. I had the Eagles going 7-9. The reality is the Philadelphia Eagles went 4-11-1. Their coach got fired. Doug Peterson's out. Super Bowl winning quarterback, by the way. Or coach, Super Bowl winning coach, out. Coach got fired. Carson Wentz, their quarterback, got benched and then traded away to Indianapolis. This year was, I thought it was going to be a bad year for Philadelphia. But I thought, hey, bad year. They'll be 7-9. and nine. They're going to barely get beat out by the Cowboys for the division. The Cowboys are going to go 8-8, eight eight, win the division. And the Eagles, they'll be 7-9. and nine. They'll be close. It'll be an ugly year. But it'll be a, a year of growth and learning, and they'll bounce back. No, they didn't, man. They didn't bounce back. And Carson Wentz was a massive, massive disappointment for me. I, 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 I love Carson. I, I was my, my dumb self. 
I think I said in August, he's an elite quarterback. <sighs> what do I know, man? I, I oh, man, I should have. What I really should have done is watched more film. Frankly, that's how I decide stuff. I, I I made a statement without watching enough film, and I will never do that again. Uh, as the team got injured and fell apart around Carson Wentz. So did Carson Wentz fall apart. He fell apart. His decision-making fell off a cliff. He, be, he began making bad decisions, forcing the ball into, into windows that weren't there, like forcing throws, holding onto the ball way too long. There's that play ingrained in my mind forever. I talk about it way too much where against the Cowboys, he just held onto the ball and held on for way too long, got sacked, fumbled, and I, I'm screaming at my TV watching that going, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw it away. Terrible quarterback play, and he didn't throw it away, and it was like, oh, come on. And Carson wanted out. Carson Wentz didn't trust his receivers. He didn't trust his coaching. He didn't trust his offensive line. Definitely didn't trust Doug Peterson. It was a mess. It it was just a horrific mess in Philadelphia. So the rookie quarterback, Jalen Hurts, played a couple games, started, started a couple games. And I remember watching Jalen Hurts thinking to myself, man, this guy's playing way better than Carson Wentz. I remember him having better decision-making, being more accurate. He was getting the most out of his teammates. Suddenly Alshon Jeffrey is making catches and Jalen Regar showing up and people are making plays. It was great leadership, in my opinion, on the part of Jalen Hurts. And I think part of that's because Carson was checked out. Carson probably, if he could have, you can't do it. You can't not play. I think if Carson could have, he would have literally not played for the Eagles last year. He was checked out emotionally and physically and mentally. But that's what I remember. I remember Jalen being better than Carson. And I know people disagree with me. Uh, people throw stats at me all the time. They're like, ah, oh, numbers, numbers. And I don't, I don't trust the numbers. It's not baseball. Remember, a completion percentage is only as reliable as your receiver's. A completion percentage doesn't factor in, hey, what if the ball bounced off your receiver's face mask or you threw the ball away? So how many incompletions did Jalen Hurts throw where the offensive line was horrible, he's running for his life, he's throwing the ball in the stands, or he's trying to make a play that got dropped? How many interceptions were tipped off his receiver's hands? You get my point? I trust the film way more than I trust the numbers. I learned that from Carson Wentz, actually. <laughs> hey, the, the numbers were so great, Carson should have been an elite quarter. Oh, oh, he, oh he's not. So yeah, so, okay. Talents on everything. Film is really important. And it's been too long now, though. It's been like two months since I watched. Uh, I watched a little bit of the, what, what game would I watch today? The Week 14 game. I watched the Saints-Eagles uh, today. Other than that, I haven't watched. I, 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 it's been too long. I don't trust my notes anymore. And it's clear to me I need to do a, a film analysis on Jalen Hurts. I really need to dive in, uh, do a film analysis. That is not this topic. We'll do it later down the road. Uh, sooner, though. But it's another day. It's another topic. But expect that very soon, a film analysis of Jalen Hurts, the rookie season from him in Philadelphia. So you might disagree. I'll watch the film. We'll come to some kind of understanding. You'll, you'll hate me no matter what because you're Philadelphia. But I love you. Um, now, my favorite moment from the Eagles season in 2020 was week 14. It was Jalen Hurts' very first start in the NFL against the New Orleans Saints, and the Eagles won. The Eagles upset the 10-2 and two New Orleans Saints. Jalen Hurts threw for 167 yards, one touchdown. He also ran for 106 yards. Eagles upset New Orleans. I loved it. It was awesome. Uh, but overall, it was an ugly year. 
My favorite moment, Jalen Hurts beating Taysom Hill and the Saints. Very cool. But if you take a step back and look at the whole year as, as in its completion, right? It was awful. And that's what happens when you break up with somebody. I've, I've been through a lot of breakups. And I, leading up to a breakup, especially like a really meaningful one, like a really meaningful relationship coming to an end, it's ugly. It hurts. It's painful. You can feel the tension. It's not good. There's lots of mistrust. That's the result in 2020. You have a messy breakup. 2020 was exactly that between Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. All that messy tension. Again, if you ever had a, a great time before a breakup, I have not. That's exactly what Philadelphia went through with Carson Wentz and their season in 2020. It was the end of a relationship. There was no trust. There was no cohesiveness. And uh, Carson wanted out. The Eagles didn't trust him. They benched him. That's a huge part of why the Philadelphia Eagles season was so bad. And then on top of that, they weren't very talented. They're aging. And I think part of it, you got to remember, the Eagles were paying the price for their Super Bowl. When the Eagles won their Super Bowl in 2017, they went all in. They had veteran players with big contracts. They spent lots of money. They gave Carson a huge contract. They, they tried to keep it all together. And they overpaid people. And that's okay. You... you that's the price it takes to get to a Super Bowl. They won. The Rams did. The Rams overpaid people, and they didn't even win a Super Bowl. I feel worse for the LA Rams. But the, the Eagles, they got the trophy. They're paying for it now. I think it's okay. Would you rather trade? Would you rather go ten and you know what ten and six this year, or I guess ten and eleven? Would you rather go eleven and five in twenty twenty and not ever have won a Super Bowl? I think it's better you won a Super Bowl. You're paying for it now. Um, but that's what went wrong in Philadelphia this year. Mistrust, injuries, aging players, problems everywhere, not enough upgrades on defense. That is what went wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2020. All right, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about Washington, and we'll talk about the New York Giants coming up. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. Let's talk about Washington. The Washington football team had maybe the craziest year of football I can imagine a team having. It was a complete roller coaster. Here's a couple things, just factual statements that really actually happened during the 2020 season for the Washington football team. First of all, they had no team name, right? No name. Their coach had cancer. Their former first-round quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, got a first-round pick. Less than two years after being a first-round pick, made bad decisions on and off the field. He got benched, and then he got cut. That never happens. I can't imagine a time where less than two years after drafting a quarterback, at least not recently, the guy was out. Washington even had a losing record. They were 7-9. and nine. And yet still this team made the playoffs. It's unbelievable. It's crazy to me. And the message here is that they hired the right coach, Ron Rivera. I, I love Ron. I believe in Ron. Here's even crazier. Alex Smith, who was their third-string starting quarterback to start the year. That guy went on to win the comeback player of the year in the NFL. And then in the playoffs, a different quarterback. A fourth quarterback. Not Alex Smith, not Dwayne Haskins, not Kyle Allen. No, a guy named Taylor Heineke. He came in, had a crazy game in the playoffs against Tampa Bay, made Tom Brady, made Tampa sweat. They were nervous. <laughs> in fact, it's kind of crazy. Taylor Henneke 
did better in the playoffs against Tampa than Drew Brees, than Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. Better than all three of those guys and their former Super Bowl MVP winning quarterbacks. So the year did not go the way I expected for Washington, not even in the slightest. In fact, going, going into the year, going into 2020, I totally wrote them off. I said, ah, this team is going to go two and four. No, what, Washington? There, there's too much going on. And it makes sense. Alex Smith coming off an injury. Coach has cancer. No team name. A quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, who's been all over the place on film and off the field. And I even this, I was actually expecting to mostly watch Dwayne Haskins. I literally said in my prediction video, the three people I'm excited to watch are all from Ohio State. Terry McLaurin, Chase Young, and <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne's not on the team. And um, I... What I got in Washington when I watched them play football was just a ton of good football. They fought incredibly hard. They loved their head coach, Ron Rivera. And even more telling, a team that had four starting quarterbacks this year to make the playoffs, to give the Super Bowl-winning team a run for their money in the playoffs, that's a sign of a well-coached football team. (laughs) Kyle Allen, Taylor Henneke, Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, four starting quarterbacks this year, a team that made the playoffs and had, despite a crazy rocky thing, They made the playoffs. They made it work. They won their division. Now, I got to give a shout out to the rookie defensive end, Chase Young, because he became a huge leader in their locker room. They're very proud of him. They like him. Uh, Washington got the right coach. I'm happy for them. They They drafted the right guy, number two overall, Chase Young. And it was just a weird, wild, crazy year, but also a huge step in the right direction for this franchise who Washington's been a mess for a long time. They got the right leader in place, Ron Rivera. They're, they're heading in the right direction. I don't know what they do at quarterback next year. I don't know who their long-term quarterback is going to be. But again, this is a team that made the playoffs without a stable quarterback all year long. That, that to me, is a testament to how good of a coach Ron Rivera is. Now, one more thing about Washington, something I, I really came to love this year. I got to learn about their punter, Tress Way. Tress Way is a... It's like a national treasure. It's unbelievable how cool this guy is. NFL Films did a great segment. I believe it's on YouTube. It's called, Why Is This Punter So Popular? And it's really about Tress Way and how much he loves his job, how nice of a dude he is. I, I recommend you watch the video. It's very cool. It made me tear up. Uh, he, he cries in the video and basically said he's emotional because he's thankful that he still gets to play the game he loves. He's thankful he still gets to play football at 30 years old with a family uh, reflecting on his days in high school in that video. He's a class act. He's a cool dude. And if you've never heard of Tressway, look up Tressway. Uh, look up, I believe it's called, Why Is This Punter So Popular? It's on YouTube. It's an NFL Films like segment. Oh, it's phenomenal. Makes you, makes you love the guy. And if you didn't feel good about Washington already, the coach, uh, the story, Alex Smith, Chase Young is so compelling as a leader, as a rookie, a guy who great in the locker room. Oh, they also have this awesome, endearing punter, Tressway. I really have come to appreciate and enjoy the Washington football team for what it is. It's very cool to me, uh, and I feel very good about the direction they're headed in as a franchise. Man, Ron Rivera was absolutely the right coach, and it's kind of crazy. They're putting Dallas to shame. Ron Rivera is a better hire than Mike McCarthy. I mean, the the Browns got it right. Joe Judge got it right. with The, the Giants got it right with Joe Judge. And Washington got it right with Ron Rivera. And Mike McCarthy in Dallas, their division rival, I'm looking at going, 
why didn't Dallas hire Ron Rivera? What were they thinking? So, shout out to Ron. Dealing with cancer, beat cancer, made the playoffs, 7-9, losing records, still made the playoffs, four different quarterbacks. It's unbelievable to me. It's a crazy roller coaster of a year. Uh, and I don't know that we're going to have a year where I can say the things I said fa- that were factually correct about Washington, I don't know that I'll be able to say them again, ever again, about another NFL team that made the playoffs. Now, let's talk about the New York Giants. It's a fan base that I love. Uh, they're intense. They're passionate, but they love their team. I predicted the Giants to go 4-12 and 12 in 2020. Uh, they overhauled everything. They got a new head coach, Joe Judge. They got a new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Knew everything. And, uh, in fact, Joe Judge was very intense during the preseason. I remember there was a story that came out where Daniel Jones was going to be live at practice. And I went, that's weird. It's like some college, high school type stuff going on. So I was curious whether or not Joe Judge's style would work in New York. And uh, it did. I, it appeared to work very, very well. It's kind of crazy. I'm about to talk very positively about a team that did not have technically a great year uh, by the measurables of winning and then went 6-10. and 10. And it was for sure. It was a rebuilding year. Uh, their star running back, Saquon Barkley, tore his ACL in the second game of the year, like blow after blow. It was awful. They had no offseason with new coaching staff. But given all the hurdles, I was impressed. This team went 6-10. and 10. And I walked away impressed with that record because they did stuff better than I expected. They fought through adversity. They fought very hard all year. They, they played in mostly competitive games. They had 16-game season. They had three games that were blowouts that were just, like, not competitive where uh, week three they had a bad loss to the 49ers. Week 14 they lost to Arizona 26-7. to And then uh, week 15 – Colt McCoy is playing quarterback rather than Daniel Jones, the regular starting quarterback. They lost to Cleveland 20-6. to So, look, I based on what they did, other than that, every game was close, competitive. They were within striking distance. And I think it's interesting that when I look back on the Giants season, and this is just me, uh, just when I look back on their year, from memory, I remember that Tampa Bay Monday night football game against the Giants. And I... It's crazy to me. I look back at it. I looked it up. I'm like, oh, I can't believe the Giants didn't win that game. It felt to me like the Giants won. I found out, oh, no, they lost by two points. But that's a testament to how hard the Giants fought, that their defense played that well. They were in the game. And that's kind of a weird way to put the Giants into a nutshell. The Giants, in a nutshell, are a team that they lost, but they fought really hard. And I look back, and I, I feel way more positive about their season than is reality, right? <laughs> like, I, they lost that game to Tampa Bay. I, I really legitimately, when I looked it up, I'm like, oh, they, they beat Tampa Bay. No, they lost. <laughs> they lost to Tampa. I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. I just remembered it because I was so competitive. They were fighting against Tom Brady. They had, I think, an interception. They were playing great defense, good coverage. The team that fought incredibly hard, they started 0-5 in New York. 0-5. They finished 6-10. and I give credit to Joe Judge for that. Joe Judge brought his team together. I, I, it's very compelling. I really respect what Joe Judge did in New York, pulling that team together. The final 11 games of the year, they won six out of the last 11. Um, it's impressive to me, man. I really, that's a math, right? Six and 10 minus five is six and five, and that's six plus five, it's 11. So yeah, uh, I'm not from New York, guys. You guys are better at math, Boston, New York people. Um, 
Now, I got to say, I'm still very lukewarm on the Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones. And I know people are mad at me for that. I'm not sold on the guy. And I think for context, you have to understand when you add up his fumbles and touchdowns rushing and touchdowns throwing, Daniel Jones in 2020 had 12 touchdowns and 12 turnovers. That's not exactly like great <laughs> at all. It's it's mediocre at best. And Daniel Jones is rarely awful. There's I don't really watch Daniel Jones and go, what are you doing? That's terrible. Like I don't I'm sure Giants fans do because you guys love to yell. I, I, I understand that. I like to yell as well. Um, but he's mostly just fine. Fine. And fine is not what I want as my franchise quarterback long term to lead me to a Super Bowl. So because Daniel Jones never blows me away, uh, he turns over the ball way too much. The the reward is not really worth what you're losing with Daniel Jones. Time is going to tell. I'm not convinced Daniel Jones is the long-term answer in New York. But I will say, I think the Giants, without a shadow of a doubt, absolutely brought in the right guy to be their head coach, Joe Judge. And uh, I could not be more excited about Joe Judge and the future he has in New York with the Giants. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. It is 9.40 p.m. I want to get this out before midnight. Doing the best I can. I love you. I appreciate you. Ba-dum-bum-bam. We are